Our Old Testament reading this morning comes to us from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 to 4. Isaiah 9, 1 to 4. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, on them the light has shone. You have multiplied the nations, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. They are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden, the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. And our New Testament reading is from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 1, verses 10 to 18. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of God, of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is a quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. morning. Please join me in prayer. Father, how grateful we are to you for your word. We thank you for the way you have given it to us, or not just in, in theory, but through your son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Lord, we seek to exalt him as your word is, is preached, as we have heard it. Enable us, Lord, to glorify your name now, Lord, through the meditation of our, our hearts and the words of our mouths. For the glory of your name, Lord Jesus. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. You know, being able to take a little bit of correction in life can be the difference between life or death, salvation or perishing. Like the captain of the ship who looked into the dark night and saw faint lights in the distance, immediately he told his signalmen to send a message. Alter your course 10 degrees south. Promptly, a return message was received. Alter your course 10 degrees north. The captain was angered. His command had been ignored, so he sent a second message. Alter your course 10 degrees south. I am the captain. Soon another message was received. Alter your course 10 degrees north. I am seaman third class Jones. Immediately, the captain sent a third message, knowing the fear it would evoke. Alter your course 10 degrees south. I am a battleship. Then the reply came, alter your course 10 degrees north. I am a lighthouse. <laughs> hey, see, if you, if you can't take correction, you're destined for damage. You're poised for, for perishing. But with a, a little course correction, your life can be saved. See, this letter to the Corinthians is a letter of correction. Paul's directing them to alter their course on issues that were harmful to the body as, as a whole. The word of the cross is the way to alter your course. You see, when you need correction in your life, whether you're a Christian or, or not, one, one needs to return to the word of the cross. But what is the word of the cross? So if I could put it into a sentence as, I, as we read this text, we can say, I can say this, the word of the cross is bound in the character of Christ. It's evinced by unity in Christ that then is strengthened by preaching the cross of Christ so that your state is revealed by the word of the cross. So the word of the cross is bound to the character of Christ. Look at verse 10. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stop right there. Because here, here, if you want to understand what the word of the cross is, it's impossible to understand it apart from the character of Christ. Because the word of the cross is bound to the character of Christ. See, Paul, he comes alongside of the Corinthians, and that's what that word appeal means. It's a word, it's, it's parakaleo, and it means to, to come alongside, and it's, it's, it's to encourage. So he comes alongside the Corinthians by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is meant, what, so what does he mean? What is meant by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Because you know, people use names all the time, and you don't always like the way they're using a name. But what's, what's meant by the name? See, Paul uses the messianic title for Jesus. He is 
the Lord, the anointed. He's God's son. He's in, he's God in human flesh. So what's meant by his name is all that his name affords. Is there a person whose name, when, when you hear it, your heart comes alive, your mind comes alive, you hear their name and it's like, oh, you got great memories of things that they said or perhaps things that did it. It's as if you caught a whiff of your favorite perfume or, or cologne. See, that's the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The thoughts and, and the feelings that come to mind at the mention or hearing the name. And you think of all his benefits. See, in the opening of the letter, Paul lists what the character of Christ provides to the Corinthians. He says in, in verse 2 of chapter 1, sanctification is in Christ. In verse 4, grace from God is in Christ Jesus. In verses 5 and 6, in every way you're enriched in Christ thus confirming the testimony of Christ among them. In verse 7, they're not lacking any gift with the hope of the apocalypse of the Lord, of the Lord Jesus Christ. That they, they, have, they have it all. That's verse 7. Being, and, and in verse 8, they're being sustained to the end and guiltless in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's verse, that's verse 8. And, and then verse 9, they're called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. All the blessings, all these blessings and benefits are in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, how sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear. It soothes his sorrows, heals his wounds, and drives away his fear. Hallelujah. You see, on the basis of who Jesus Christ is and what his name means to these brothers and sisters, Paul makes his appeal to them. So what does the name of the Lord Jesus Christ bring up for you? The blessings, the benefits that are in him, where do they rank in your mind? So if they're not, if they're not at the foundation, if they're not the very, at the very first, you need to make a course correction. And the word of the cross is bound to the character of Christ and the Lord, and the Lord Jesus Christ's character is evinced by unity in Christ. Look at verses 10 through 13. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? So these, so these divisions that take place in, 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 in the church in Corinth, you know, it's because Corinth is a cosmopolitan city. You know, it, it's where tourists and, and merchants came to, to hawk their wares. Corinth was a place where you could come to make it. If you, weren't, if, you were, if you wanted to become wealthy, here was a place because there was so much traffic, there were so many tourists, there was so much that, that business that was generated through that isthmus where ships were coming all the time. And Paul spent three years there 
ministering and, and evangelizing and establishing a church. But what you, what you see happening, though, is that just because, just because you become a Christian, it doesn't mean that all the mess that is in your life leaves immediately. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to shout me down with any amens. Yeah. yeah. See, the people of, of the Corinthian church, they were classists. They were, they were celebrity starstruck. They were ethnically diverse, yet snobbish. They fought over men. Who was the most eloquent? They were schismatics who thrived on, on partisanship. And the, and, and, and the encouraging thing here in the text is that Paul still called them brothers. <laughs> yeah, see, that's good news. See, Paul says that, that all, all of this division, that's not what the understanding, that's not the understanding you should get from Christ. Paul makes his appeal by the name of, the, of Christ to the end that they would pursue being united. And so he states it in three ways here in the text. Two are positive and one is negative. He says that you all, that all of you agree. That's positive. And then he states it negatively. And that there be no divisions among you. Then he states it positively again, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. So there's one appeal, and it's stated three ways. Why is this? Well, this is, this is a literary tool. You know, it's, it's a chiism. It's to emphasize the importance of the point that he's making, and that he does it in three ways. It signals to the reader that this is indispensable. It's unalterable. It's fixed. And to ignore it, you do so to your own peril. See, the character of Christ appeals to us to manifest Christ in our unity. So Paul asks, it's a rhetorical question, is Christ divided? The answer is obviously no. If Christ is not divided and we are Christ, then we must pursue unity. Unity is our mission. Listen to just a few verses in the New Testament that, that point this out. In, verse, in John 17, verse 23, Jesus is praying, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. And then in Romans 12, 16, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Philippians 1.27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Now, there are, more, there are more scriptures throughout the New Testament that, 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 that point us to this, but I think you're getting the point. Unity is our mission. See, if, you want, if you want an evangelism explosion, it's best done through an understanding of the character of Christ that appeals to us to manifest Christ in our unity. See, we read it earlier. It's through the unity for which Christ prayed that the world may know that the Father sent the Son and that God loves us even as he loves Christ. 
See, the talk of Jesus' love without the demonstration of the power of his love in our unity, it's a gross misrepresentation of Christ, and it's unworthy of his great name. Justin Martyr, an early church father, second century Christian, he describes the unity of the early church, and this is what he wrote. We formerly rejoiced in uncleanness of life, but now love only chastity. Before we used the magic arts, but now dedicate ourselves to the true and unbegotten God. Before we loved money and possessions more than anything, but now we share what we have and to everyone who is in need. Before we hated one another and killed one another and would not eat with those of another race, but now, since the manifestation of Christ, we have come to a common life and pray for our enemies and try to win over those who hate us without just cause. What, what would the city of Dover say if we were that kind of church, possessing that type of passion for the unity that Christ has given. You see, do you hold your opinion in high regard? Would you promote division over thinking that, that you are more right than your brother or sister? Because we divide over political perspectives, money, Food, dress, ethnicities, age, you name it, we can find ways to divide, to be divided about it. But Christ's character is not known through the Republican point of view. Now, I don't know why no one said amen to that. No, no, nor, nor is he known through the Democratic political perspective. He's not known through the segregation of the Sunday morning worship hour. The word of the cross is evinced by our unity in Christ. When we love one another in the midst of our differences, when we love one another by setting aside our preferences in order to esteem the other better than ourselves, there Christ is made known to the watching world. That would have been a good place to say amen. Because <laughs> that, that is exactly what the Bible says. That's exactly what Jesus prayed for. So, so the word of the cross is bound by the character of Christ and evinced by unity in Christ, a unity that is strengthened by the preaching of the cross of Christ. This is point number three. I thank God, verse 14 through 17, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Now, so Paul is not seeking to impress them with his wisdom. He is making a skilled argument here. And, 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 and this is, I mean, it is some piece of masterful rhetoric. You know, and, and, I mean, this is, it's, a long, it's a long argument that he's making here from verse 10 all the way to chapter 4. So Paul is reminding them that men 
and baptism in the church are not the central calling that he received, but he received a call to herald the gospel and promote its power, power that he would say is to, to, is to save Jew and Gentile. There are only, see, there, there are always other things that seek to present themselves as the power of salvation. For some, it's status. I must make a name for myself through religion. And Paul said, that's not why I was called. For another, it's to make a following for myself. This is what false teachers do. And before you know it, they have you in the jungle, you're drinking Kool-Aid, thinking that you're pleasing God, and, and really, you don't know God at all. All preaching of the gospel isn't gospel preaching. Amen. Yes. See, still, still another, another would seek to use the cross as a tool to market their showmanship. Like Simon, the magician in Acts chapter 8, verses 19 through 20, when he, when he saw that the spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hand, he offered them money. He says, give me this power also, that any, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Boy, wouldn't that close a lot of churches? They were to hear that. Ooh, my. See, the preaching of, of the cross of Christ is always powerful. Paul says that it's not through self-promotion, nor is it through the manipulation of words or, or speaking skills that, that preaching is powerful. But the power is inherent in the message. And he would later tell the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2 and 3, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And Jesus would say this about the power of his death on the cross in John 12, 32 and 33. He said, when, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. And John adds, he said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. You see, the word of the cross of Christ is inherently powerful. The word of the cross is to be preached. It doesn't need any enhancements. It doesn't need inducements as some practice by making a sideshow around the word of the cross where, where feats of strength are done or, or daring exploits in order, in order to draw a crowd to, to say to them that you can trust God. No, the message need only to be preached. Lest the people place their faith in the wrong thing. Which brings us to, to the last point. 
at the word of the cross. See, the word of the cross is bound by the character of Christ and, and evinced by unity in Christ that is then strengthened by preaching the cross of Christ so that your state is revealed by the word of the cross. Good verse 18. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. See, the word of the cross is the name of the Lord. And it is the same as to preach the gospel. The gospel message is it's a two-edged sword. It, 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 it cuts, in the words of Gloria Estefan, it cuts both ways. Some of you have never heard that song. My love is like a knife, it cuts both ways. Yes, yeah, so, so the gospel, it cuts both ways. So you swing it one way and it's life. And, and, and if it's swung another way, it will condemn. Yeah, it's it. So it, in whatever direction it's wielded, it is making a cut. And you might think that it's odd. How can it be both? How can the gospel be both a message that saves and condemns? Well, you know, Paul would later write to the Corinthians in, 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 that, in that second, in the letter, 2 Corinthians, verses, chapter 2, verse 15 and 16, he would say this, for we are the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death, to the other, a fragrance from life to life. So there it is, that the gospel does both. The same gospel that saves some is causing the perishing for others. And Jesus would say the same thing when he talks to, in John chapter 3 about how believing in him frees you. But those who don't believe are condemned already. See, the same gospel that saves is the same one that causes perishing brother. So how do you know the difference? See, Paul uses this Greek word. So, so here, see, Paul, is, Paul is, he's, he's smart. He's wise. And he uses this Greek word logos when he talks about the word of the cross. If you read in another translation, it would say the preaching of the cross. But that word, the Greek word, is logos. And, and that, that was an important word to the Grecians because it meant the reason. The reason. It, it meant thinking, using your, using your mental faculty. But it was also what brought everything together. The logos is gave meaning to life and how life is supposed to come together. And so he uses that word, the logos of the cross, the word of the cross. And logos is who John says Jesus is, that he is the logos. He is, he is the, the, the word behind everything. Everything is made for him. And he is the word made flesh and dwelt among us. See, the difference is known in the revelation of Jesus Christ. If the word of the cross is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, is the preaching of the good news, then everything hinges on your response to Christ. So what characterizes the perishing is divisions, quarreling, following men, a party spirit, seeking, saving power, in someone or, or something other than Jesus Christ. You're perishing if that's, what, if that's what you're doing. But if you are being saved, if this is your state, this is God at work in you. 
so that you are responding to the name of Jesus with all the blessings, all of the benefits that lifting, lifting you up out of what Isaiah 9 says, the gloom and anguish. It's good news this morning. God is able to change your state. Hallelujah. Yeah. See, Isaiah, Isaiah says this, but there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali, but in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. See, the word of the cross of Christ is the place where the former time, wherein he has brought, in, he is, he is brought into contempt, and where the latter time, where he has made a glorious way to the sea, meet. The former and latter times meet in Christ on the cross. See, he took the contempt that should have been ours. He suffered the gloom and wrath of God on the cross. The anguish and agony of the death of a slave, for which the Greeks would say that's folly, and the Jews would say that's folly, that fell on him. So embrace the promise of God that brings light to the people who sat in darkness, and, and you will discover that you are being saved. But to turn away from Christ, who has offered his blood and died for you, there's nothing left but to perish. See, how you respond to the cross reveals your state, whether you are, are committing folly and perishing or if you are being saved and experiencing the, promise, the power of God. See, as you are hearing this message right now, you're encountering the lighthouse. Alter your course. Otherwise, you will perish. Alter your course. The Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior. The cross upon which he died is the cross that should have been yours. He died in your place. Alter your course and live. If you are being saved, you are taking in the word of the cross. The power of God that is for pursuing our unity that has brought us together. See, you're not seeking to promote your, your party and its opinion. See, because faith is caught up in obeying the word of the cross. And the word of the cross is bound to the character of Christ. He's the greatest, the greatest blessing to the world. Amen. Yes, yes, yeah. The character of Christ is evinced by unity in Christ. This is the great evangelism explosion. Your passion for Christ deepens. Your passion for unity in Christ deepens as you realize that on the cross, he suffers a division from the Father so that we can know the great blessing that unity in Christ brings to the world. And this unity is strengthened by preaching the cross of Christ. The power of the grace of God is inherent in the good news of the gospel. And you love it. You love it even more when you realize that Christ gave up power on the cross so that we could experience the saving power of God in our lives.
And your state is revealed by the word of the cross. It is folly to ignore Christ. Alter your course by directing your whole heart toward the lighthouse that Jesus is. Because he took the gloom. Yeah, that faint light that you see, that, that little bit of light that you see, that's Christ. He is the lighthouse bidding you to alter your course. Because he took the gloom, he took the anguish and the darkness of the wrath of God for you on the cross. Through his death and, and resurrection, God has increased our joy. He has removed the yoke of the burden of sin. Hallelujah. See, through Christ, God changes your state. And I love this, what Paul says to the Corinthians at the very, at the very beginning, that he sustains you as guiltless to the end. Nobody's going to point a finger and say, you're guilty. Yes, I am. But Jesus died for me. He took my guilt for me. I can stand in the presence of God, guiltless because of Christ. Brothers and sisters, this is the power of the cross. Let's pray. Father, your word reminds us that the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of man. And we're grateful to you that through your son, you have revealed your wisdom to us. Lord, enable us by the power of your spirit to live out this wisdom. Lord, help those who are struggling to overcome folly by placing their faith in Jesus Christ. Grant them repentance. Change, Lord, their hearts as you change their state as their faith is placed in Jesus Christ. Do it for your great name's sake. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Let us respond to the word of God as we stand together and we sing the power of the cross. See the dawn.